Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you Melanie Johnson, who has a wealth of different experiences, but her predominant work right now is with publishing, and we've got so much to learn from her and how she's evolved in her own industries. And so I'm just going to let you tell your own story because I wouldn't do it service. Anyway, welcome, Melanie. Thanks, Heidi, for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'll give you kind of the short version. I started my career out in, uh, I was Miss Michigan and first runner up to Miss America and then decided to go into television broadcasting, became a newscaster. And then with my husband and I, we started our own TV station. So we filed with the FCC. We had a TV station in Houston and a full FCC independent station in Dallas as well. Did everything to do with television stations. Know the advertising, bought advertising, sold advertising, bought television programming, created programming, and was still doing some stuff on the air as well. And then the economy fell apart, got divorced, all this stuff happened. And I was fortunate enough to have these two huge houses. And my ex husband filed for bankruptcy. Like, hello, wait a minute, we're supposed to be divorced and start our lives over. And then he put everything into bankruptcy. So I was facing losing my homes and not getting any of my settlement. So I, came up with this crazy idea. Maybe someone suggested it to me and I started to rent my home up in Michigan. Now back in 2009, VRBO, this thing, Vacation Rental by Owner just started. And uh, I didn't know much about it, but I thought, well, it's a vacation area. I'm going to throw my summer home up there and see what happens. So I started renting it and I thought, I wonder if that would work in Houston. I mean, there might be a market. There were only apartments really for rent in Houston um, that were rent, that were furnished. So I threw it up there, started renting it. I rented it to Wiz Khalifa. I rented it to Chris Brown, the rapper. I rented it to different liquor companies that did events there. And I started making over six figures a year, or maybe like $300,000 leasing these homes. And that was my survival mechanism through that time. Well, the homes finally did foreclose. And then I was out of a job and out of a house all at the same time. So during the course of that time, I did start to invest in real estate and doing some real estate development. I built some townhomes and the oil market was booming. And then all of a sudden oil tanked, right? It was at a hundred, then that totally tanked. So I had to readjust then. And right about that time, I had uh, been studying marketing and going to these clinics and I met Jen Foster there and I had this villa down in the Dominican Republic which I donate to nonprofits, by the way, if anyone has a nonprofit, they'd like me to donate it to. And uh, we concocted this idea that we should do a book writing retreat. We were both doing publishing. I had published a couple of my own books. She had published for herself and some other people. So we did it. We had a blast. We thought, well, maybe we'll do that like once a year. Well, lo and behold, people are like, I didn't know that you were a publishing, that you were a publisher. So the next month we invented Elite Online Publishing and we've published over 50 authors, made them all bestsellers, do a marketing campaign for them and really teach people how to leverage the power of a book as an advertising tool for their business, which, you know, I've seen all kinds of advertising, you know, I've done it all and I've never seen anything quite as amazing as a book, what that can do for your status and your business. So that's where we are. 
I love it. And I, I love that whole progression because it's unfortunately or fortunately, it's what a lot of us experience. It's sort of you fall into things because your circumstances change and yeah. you have to be a little bit scrappy and come up with good solutions. And sometimes those solutions can end up being better than the situation you were in before. And sounds like you've really been able to evolve in that way in a very exciting way. And 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 in terms of the books, I mean, I, I can't agree with you more. I have two of my own, I actually have three because I did publish my dissertation as well. And right. and I found that it's been a, an amazing tool for helping just sort of get the word out about what I'm working on and how people can use it as a tool. Mm-hmm. And then the credibility, it's, you know, it's a great business card. It's a, and in my book, it, there's no sales to it at all. It's more in terms of in the book. It's not about selling my services. It's more just saying like, this is what I'm doing now. And it helps people absorb that in a very different way than me standing on a stage or... You're saying the same thing to customers all the time over and over again. You're explaining your products and services and the marketplace, right? So you take that information and your expertise and you put that into a book So people know who you are from a whole different platform. And what I really, I always tell people when you publish a book, Amazon starts to work for you. And a lot of times people don't get that. All of a sudden, like all of our authors, their author page is on the first page of search for them. And it's so important. A lot of publishers, what they don't do is really tweak out that author page. So the author page, you can have seven videos, seven pictures on there. You can link it to your blog post feed. You can link it to your podcast feed. You can put all your social media posts. We, we always put all the links that they can find you everywhere for your social media links and for all the products and services that you're going to sell. So that's the page that is just so awesome. That is that first page of search just by having that book out there. To me, that's almost worth it uh, there. And you can forward that page to any client anywhere. And gee, they might buy your book too while they're sitting there looking at your page. Yeah, absolutely. And I use mine, I initially created as a teaching tool because it was, some people have a hard time absorbing some of the foundation theoretical pieces by Mm -hmm. doing an online program. And so I just put it all into a book and said, okay, here, this element of the program is in a book and you can read it online or you can watch the video or you can, you know, actually read the physical book and flip through the pages. And I found it's a really great tool and it's a great way to sort of bridge what's available through technology and also through sort of the physical world. You're repurposing content, number one. Some people think, oh my gosh, I don't have time to write a book. I can't write a book. But what you're doing is taking information and content you already have, repurposing it, repackaging it, and putting it to a whole nother audience. And it's not a whole lot of work. And you, like you say, some people are more tactile and you've got somebody else advertising for you, which is Amazon. You can physically send that book out. I love this strategy. We learned this at the marketing conference mastermind that we go to. So you have this book, right? And you're trying to get into that client that you can't get in. They won't return your phone calls. You can send the book right from Amazon as a package to them as a gift, have a gift wrapped, and no secretary is going to open a package from Amazon. Because who knows what's in that package that he's ordered, right? Or she's ordered. So that's going to go right on their desk. They're going to open the package and there's your book. You can have a note. They let you put a note in there. You can even put a link in the note like, hey, I've got a private message for you on this video link. And we have another strategy where we take it even further. So let's say there's an office that you're trying to get into, a business you're trying to get into. When you order your book wholesale, it's only like $2.50. So you could order, say, 50 books to the entire office staff from Amazon 
every single person is going to get your book on the same day. Can you imagine a whole office having your book? What do you think the topic of conversation is going to be? Did you get this book? Oh my gosh, did you see it? I mean, everyone's going to be talking about it. You spent a couple hundred bucks max and look at the impact that you've got. I love it. I love it. And I think it's it's such an important way to really look at bridging the physical and technical world in that, you know, people love to have that physical object. And I mean, an ebook is great, but I mean, how many people actually read the full ebook? And even with a physical book, I think the statistics, something absolutely crazy, like 90% or maybe it's 85% of physical books never actually get read. You know, it's like people buy them. I, I mean, I am, I'm guilty of this myself. I have a stack of books and this is, these aren't even ebooks. I have a stack of books by my bed queued up for me to read that I probably will never get to, but it makes me feel better just having them there. Cause it's like someday I'll read that. And it makes you feel smarter just by having it. It, it does. Or two or flip through it. So here's a tip. If you are an author, Amazon gives you a thing called look inside the book. And you may have seen that when you've looked, you've looked at the first so many pages. So this is the tip. Put any uh, place that they can reach you at in the first part of the book, put any call to action in the first part of the book, put your most important stuff in the forward or wherever so they can get right there. So they're tweaking it. That's using technology to your advantage. So you can see the first few pages, put what you think is the most important stuff in those few pages that they're going to preview if you want them to contact you down the road. Very smart. Then here's another tip. It kind of goes back to the technology thing of being overwhelmed about writing. If you're not repurposing, but you're a speaker, like Heidi speaks, so you can have your speech recorded. We use this new thing called Otter, O-T-T-E-R.com. It's an app you can use. So you can voice record it as you're vocally recording it. Then it transcribes it at the same time. So it does a really good job of transcribing, but you'll have the voice recording too. If there's something amiss, you can go back and forth. So then your speech can be your book. Your book can be your speech and bam, it's, it's pretty much done. Take that to an editor ghostwriter and you'll have it done in no time. I love that. And I, I've used lots of tools like that as well. When, when I did my books, Otter wasn't out yet, but uh, I was using Rev, which worked really well. Yeah. And I repurposed some of the interviews that I had done as well to have other people's input in the books and, you know, to be able to repurpose content is really, really important, but also to recognize where it's being delivered. Because, for example, if you're going to put a little video snippet on Instagram, the attention span is about 15 seconds. So don't make it more than 15 seconds and put the most important part in that 15 seconds. But if you're putting something up on Facebook or LinkedIn, Twitter, other places or on your own blog, for example, you can go yeah. much longer. But even Facebook, you go over five minutes or even three minutes, people aren't going to watch the whole thing. It's yeah. better to sort of get them excited for three minutes and then move them on to somewhere else. And so if you're going to do a preview of your book, for example, or of anything else that you're creating, to keep in mind the attention span and the context in which you're using whatever that content is and not mm -hmm. just say, okay, well, here's my content. I'll just spread it out everywhere. That makes total sense. And there's certain strategies for each of those. So you need to study and use the different strategies for Instagram, for Facebook, for LinkedIn. We're finding that LinkedIn is being very resourceful for us, that what I've noticed for some of our clients, I'm going to start offering this as a service because I go into their LinkedIn profile. And also LinkedIn usually shows up on your first page, maybe your second page, but a lot of times your first page. And I would say eight out of 10 of our clients, their LinkedIn page is bad. 
I hate to use that word bad, but it's, it's not populated. How about that? They don't have a picture underneath them. They don't have a proper title under what they do. The description of their company and their services and them is null or, a, you know, a half a paragraph. So I'm finding that, you know, you have to know what to do. You need to almost take inventory of all of your social media. And I know it's time consuming, either have somebody do it for you or take the time to go in and find out what you should be having on there and what you shouldn't. And it's hard to stay up on everything. Like we were saying, gosh, you know, the new Apple phone is coming out and every, every year they come out with something new and then you're having to learn that new technology. It's stressful. So it's nice if you can afford to have someone on your team that does that and they just keep on the technology and keep you up to date for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and speaking of the phones and all of these great technologies that are coming out that we don't really use so much as a phone. I was laughing today with someone because I was at the dentist and I got two phone calls while we were there and I looked at both of them and turned them off with my Apple Watch because I'm like, I don't recognize the phone number. I get all these robocalls, right? So phones are, the phone functionality is no longer really used, but what they mm -hmm. are, are these amazing tools for creating videos, for creating imagery that we can use in so many different contexts for, you know, for recording on Otter directly to there. All of these different tools are built into these devices that we call a phone. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty exciting, I think, because you used to have to lug around these massive computers, which we didn't really, they weren't, they were called portables, but they really weren't portable. So that's the key. Everybody needs to, you're carrying around this phone that's this huge thing. So you need to make your website, everything friendly for your phone. We think about it looking when we're creating so many times, we're creating things on our computer, but then we don't switch over and look at it on the phone. And the majority of the people are going to be looking at you on the phone, not on the computer. It used to be maybe the other way around, right? When we had flip phones, everyone was, how do you look on the computer? But now it really is the other way. Really, I would say, I mean, I'm just guessing off the top of my head, but I would say 80% of the time they're going to be seeing you on a phone or a smaller screen than they are on your, on your computer. So keep that in mind. Absolutely. I was checking the, the data the other day, actually, on the visitors to my site and visitors to my podcast, and over 90% were accessing it from a mobile device. How and could you tell? There's several different tools, but Google Analytics will show you, and then Libsyn will also show you for your podcast. There's a bunch of different tools, depending on what it is that you're looking at. But I also find even for my book that a lot of people are reading it on a Kindle or an iPad. But the, at the same time, I always make it available when, you know, when I put a link to my book, I always say, well, and if you prefer the paper version, there is both a print and, and a hardcover available. And people do actually choose to get the print or the hardcover version because they prefer that tactile experience when they're well, reading. The latest trend in publishing last year, the biggest growing segment was audiobooks mm -hmm. and continuing to be true now. So 2018 are also the biggest trend is audiobooks. The three platforms that I highly recommend are really the, the ebook, the paperback, and the, if you have a choice between hardback and audio, I would go with the audio just because that's trending more. And I think you see a bigger return on your investment as well by doing the audiobook versus the hardback book because there's bigger margins and they're selling more than the hardbacks are currently. So true. So true. And I think, you know, the, another funny thing with the audio, and I've experienced this a lot with doing my podcast is that you, if you're going to do the audio, make sure that you, you have an audio friendly voice because people listen to it with earbuds or, you know, even, you know, sound reducing headphones. So they hear your voice very crisp and clear. And if you don't have 
a good voice for that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but there's plenty of people that can do a voiceover for you, that that is their talent, that is their skill, and they enunciate and they're easy to understand and they're expressive in the way that they read. And it's just much more of a pleasant experience. So people will actually listen through the whole thing. Yeah, we highly recommend uh, hiring a voice talent unless you are a professional voice talent. Like if you have a news background, an audio background, voice background, then to do that. But uh, And you need to be in a professional studio when you're going to do it. If you have that, that's great. Then go for it. If not, spend the, it's not a ton of extra money, but you know, for an extra thousand bucks, you can get a voice talent and, and add that in there. It's well worth it. We highly recommend that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great recommendation. So I think uh, that's something all of us should keep in mind. So I'm curious because you've had this sort of vast range of experiences and sort of from working with VRBO in the real estate industry, which obviously was using technology for that, and now with the publishing, what has been your experience with sort of adapting to new technologies and where do you see the biggest challenges and the biggest wins have been for you? You know, adapting technology to the publishing business is, uh, again, it's always changing like every business. So just recently, Amazon took, we have KDP, which is Kindle, right? Which everyone's familiar with. You can uh, upload your book there. And then there's something called CreateSpace that Amazon had for your paperback book. Well, now CreateSpace is going away. So in the next 60 days or so, uh, CreateSpace is going to merge onto the Kindle platform to KDP. So you'll now publish your books over there. So now we're all panicking. Ah, we have to learn how to do it there. We've been doing that. And, and um, Jen Foster and I, my business partner for Elite Online Publishing, we have over 1,800 books that we've published that are our own, under our own imprint. So we're like, oh my God gosh, we've got to do all that. So I love that the publishing business has changed on its year that you can self-publish your books. You don't have to go through the traditional route and wait for an agent. And you know that takes two to three years to get your book into physical form where you can have your book done in three months. If you're ready and you've got it edited, it's, it, within less than three months, you can have your book up on that platform. But within that, we're finding that we love Otter as the new technology to transcribe things. We're loving all the hashtags that we can use on Instagram to get people to see you and find you. So remember to use all your hashtags that we're finding that that works out. And what we really find for a lot of our clients too is people say, well, I don't think I need to have YouTube videos. I've got a design company. She says, well, I have all these pictures. I said, well, you should turn them into YouTube videos. Well, we don't really see designers on YouTube. We don't really think that's going to get us clients. Well, great if your competition isn't there. Then you would be there, right? All of a sudden, it's the SEO. It's that search engine optimization is going to populate, and it's going to start to push you up. When I search interior designers in Houston, guess who's going to start to pop up? you instead of everybody else. So you need to be on all those platforms because it starts to let Google know that you're everywhere and pushes you up that mountain and gets your business identified sooner. So, you know, repurpose content, I think is huge. Be on all platforms, use that content on all platforms. And another thing I think that we're finding that works too, you post on Facebook, And then it's gone after a while, right? No one's going to see that feed. Take some posts that you did two, three years ago, as long as they're relevant and recycle them. Recycle that content over again. You don't have to constantly have these new posts. You can put stuff that's relevant and recycle it again, reuse it again. So repurposing is huge. It's not necessarily technology, but you're repurposing what you have. It's less legwork on the platforms that you have. And really know who your customer is because that tells you where you need to be on what platform you need to be. 
So again, the platforms I suggest, you really have a presence on all platforms, but some you need to be uh, more active on than others. So that would be my advice. I think that's really important to to think about. And you brought up the great point of both relevance and sort of recycling, reusing content where it's relevant. And I think that the one point I would add to that is the importance of having a system in place to be able to create a taxonomy, to organize those things so that when something new comes up that actually brings that old content into relevance again, it's easy to find. Because I think we've all experienced at some point where, you know, you're like, oh, I know I already created something with this. And where did I put it? Was it in a presentation? Was it, you know, and I mean, I even had that today, I was putting together a presentation that I'm doing next week. And I was like, I know I had a picture about neurotransmitters that I spent hours creating years ago. Where did that picture go? You know, what did I call it? And was it in a scratch pad in Photoshop, you know, in like, you know, I don't even remember, like PowerPoint or something like that, because I used to use that for a, a lot for image editing. Anyway, I did find it. It was actually- But all in- the time you spent having to look for it, right? Unbelievable. Like, what did I name it? I know I named it something really smart, so I'd remember it. Now I can't remember what I named it to find it. Ah! And then you start to reper- then you start to create it again, and then all of a sudden it pops up and you found it after you spent an hour recreating it. Exactly. Exactly. So I think going forward, it's having those systems in place. And also as you're going through, because I think, you know, it's easy that we come across those things. And when you do come across those things that go, "Hmm, this might be useful later, put it into that organization. Don't just pass by it and say, I'll get to that later. It's, It's sort of taking action and doing that now, because you know, as I was telling you in the green room, you know, I've been called out for being addicted to chaos. And uh, it's so true in my life, and I'm getting better at it. But it's one of those things where if you don't take action in the moment, yeah, it's very easy to create chaos for yourself. And that chaos is harder to fix later. Mm-hmm. If you unless you take the three minutes that it takes to click on that and drag and drop it into the right place. So that it'll be easy to find yeah. later. You know, that thing about chaos, I'm going to tell you, I, I've been accused of that as well. A long time ago, I was living in a very chaotic environment. And they said, just remember, that's what you're used to. So even if you don't have the chaos, you're going to try and create the chaos. So you've got to be conscious of not creating it yourself because you're used to a certain level or an environment. And you're like, you go through withdrawals if you have it. The other tip I'm going to give business people is make sure you put some money aside because technology changes and things are going to get more expensive. So we've all been on kind of this free ride. You know, you get your website and the hosting is for free or they include your email for free and you don't have to pay for that or it's only, you know, it's you didn't have to pay for this. But now even with Google lately, we just got notifications because they're changing changing everything to that HTTPS and it used to be www. So now if you're www, it'll pop up and it'll say your site's not secure. So they say, if you want to have a secure site, now you have to pay us $45 a year plus X amount for each email address that you have. Well, all of a sudden, you know, it might not be much, but if you have multiple websites and multiple email addresses, all of a sudden your yearly budget just went up X percent. So you've got to align for that. I'm just telling you the the stuff that's free now or that you're paying, you don't pay that much for Facebook ads, so to speak. You don't have to pay. Look at our podcasting is very inexpensive to do. Facebook Live is inexpensive. You can do YouTube and you don't have to pay anything. All of a sudden, they're going to start to charge us for that stuff. It's like the airlines, right? All of a sudden, now they charge you for the bag. I just found out they, I just made airline reservations. They wanted to charge me for each seat that I assigned. 
like on top of, oh, you're going to call me to change your seats. Well, then that's $50 a seat to change it. Oh just my gosh. The person you talk to do it. Like you got to be kidding me. So that's going to start to happen with, we're in kind of the, the wild West stages of all this. So take advantage, do as much as you can now on as many free platforms as you can now, and then start to stockpile because you're going to need a bigger budget to accomplish the same thing that we're doing today that we're going to have to do tomorrow. So that would be my advice. I think that's great advice. And I think in any situation, it's whether it's the physical platforms or the tools that you're using, uh, as your business evolves, you need to bring it up a level in professionalism. That free stuff often comes with extra ads, with extra other things that that really don't enhance your business at all and actually diminish your credibility. So as your business scales, it's important to really think about Are you using the right tools? And the other piece that I often work with with clients is helping them, here's the chaos piece, get rid of the stuff that's not working, right? So every once in a while, do sort of a spring cleaning, you know, am I using two or three things for my email? Am I using two or three things that manage my calendar? And are they actually communicating with each other? If there's one that's actually been upgraded, upgraded, upgraded and works, and now all of a sudden has all the functionality of the two or three others that I was using before. So get rid of them. They're not helping you when you're paying for them. Even if it's 10 bucks a month, that adds up. So it does. And we're even considering hiring, you know, a system of operations person, like coach to like force us to go through everything. Like we could probably do it ourselves, but if we have somebody else that we're accountable for and she's going to help us make those decisions of nope, yep, nope. It's kind of like going through your closet. If you're going to keep that, you're not going to keep that. You need some girlfriends to give you the advice. So sometimes you may just need that person to go, all right, you're setting two days aside and we're just going through everything. I need that badly. Yeah. <laughs> I I thought I was going to do that when I came back from the summer and opened up my closet. And I think I got rid of four things. I was like, this isn't working. I need somebody else. I need somebody else to just say, get rid of it. Get yeah. rid of it. When was the last time you wore a black suit? You don't need six of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we need a tech person, right? To clean out our tech closet. So that's the thing. You got to spring clean your clothes, but you got to spring clean your technology and your systems of operation too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And I think that that's, that's so important for us to keep in mind to really free up the space to be able to find the highest productivity for ourselves with the same amount of time or even less. And when we take the time to actually do those things and delegate where we need to, whether it's like you were saying with your operations person, you could do that, but you're not necessarily the best person to do that. And by hiring someone to do it and delegating it to somebody else, the job may get done more efficiently and for less cost because your time is money. So and you have the other thing too, I think you have to take that inventory of your advertising and marketing as well. So we work with a client, she owns a spa. And she was spending $2,500 a month in a magazine ads. And now she cut it back to $1,500 a month. And I'm like, well, but the magazine comes out. Someone looks at it. You may get some business from it, but then it gets thrown away, right? And those magazines, no one is ever going to look at ever again. They may hold on to it for, I mean, I hold on to my magazines for maybe three months that I get, but I don't necessarily go back and look. I look at them one time. Very rare do I go back twice unless I'm looking for something specific and then I toss them out. So we were talking, she's working with us about how effective it's going to be that she's making this investment in a book 
that people are going to have forever, all the different uses she can have for it. She can donate it to nonprofits. She can give it to each client when they leave um, or come to her spa. I mean, it's something, and people don't throw books out. So go through the inventory of her advertising and marketing, what's working, what's not working, what you need to put on the list to try new. And I highly recommend that you do a book because it, nothing will elevate your expertise and your authority like that and or have Amazon work for you. It's like you've hired Amazon. So, But make sure you do that inventory as well. I love it. So, so key for us to be keeping in mind all of those different pieces. And the fact that, you know, it isn't just the, it's not just the technology piece. It's not just the other things around it, but also how we, how we use those tools in your marketing communication and in all areas of our life. So I'm going to take a little change in direction here because I'm curious about you, Melanie. How do you manage your own self-care as an entrepreneur and business owner? Is there any technology that you use, whether it's a productivity software, which I consider, or a productivity tool, I find that is absolutely a self-care well-being tool, or whether it's something like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch? What do you use? So I've been using Fitbit and I love, um, I came down with Graves disease last year, which is hyperthyroid. So it means like your heart's racing really fast, your metabolism's going really fast. So I really wanted something that I could keep track of my heart rate, but I didn't necessarily want to commit to an Apple watch because I didn't want my wrist dinging every time with, you know, someone notifying me. So that seems to be working really well, that I can track my weight, my sleep and um, my exercise routine with that. I've been using that. Productivity wise, we have Windstreak that Jen and I use where you can put your wins down for the day and the things that you want to accomplish that day, like your three things. And um, Jen and I both text each other in the morning of the three things that we want to accomplish and anything that we need help with from each other. And that's been a routine that really helps us and keeps us focused and um, in tune to what our goals are for the week and the day to use that. I would say my son is, I'm going to tout on my son because he's much better with using technology than I am. I love it that he uses Siri for like everything. So Siri reminds him that he has something due. So he ran his own little advertising thing. He had an Instagram account that I don't know, had a million followers and, or maybe it was half a million. I don't remember, but he would do ads on it, right? He would do shout outs on it. So he'd get a client and how running a TV business, we used to have computer system that was very expensive that would tell us when the commercials were going to run and uh, how many they were going to run and all this stuff. My son used Siri. So he would say, Siri, remind me to post blah, blah, blah at one o'clock. Siri, remind me to take off blah, blah, blah at two o'clock. And that was his traffic system was his phone is what he used for the reminders throughout the day. And I still see that he uses that for different stuff that he needs on his calendar. So I thought that was brilliant. That is. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about using that actually. I have Siri's finally understanding me better. So I think it's uh it's it's about time yeah. we used her a little more. My mother actually uses Siri a lot because it's she just she doesn't feel comfortable with the keypad on the the phone. And um yeah. everything's so moving to voice, I think, you know, just voice activation and, and using it that way. The other thing that I love is um we don't use Word at all. We use uh Drive, Google Drive. All our documents are on there because we can share it all. Um, it's easy to access. We can get it anywhere. I can get it on my phone. I love it. I can edit from my phone. So we use that a lot. That's a, that's big in our technology. And we use, uh, but that's, that's kind of self-care because I can put even my personal stuff in there. And um, for personal things for like financial, I use a uh, Mint. 
And um, that helps me keep track of my finances. And one time I found that the bank was charging me all these extra fees that I didn't realize. So that saved me like $500 when I signed up for Mint, just by finding those fees that I didn't know were, were pumping in there. And then I use Wave for personal accounting. So I do stuff with my ex-husband. So I send him invoices with that. I have another business, uh, the charity auction consignments, where I donate the villa to nonprofits. We've raised over a half a million dollars doing that. So if anyone has a, a nonprofit that they would like to help raise money for, I donate it as an auction item. So um, we've raised a lot of money and people have taken many trips down to the Dominican Republic, down to the villa. And, um, and so I use the Wave uh, app for that to, um, to send the invoices off and all that kind of stuff and keep, keep track of all that. So those are some of my little, little hacks that I use. And voice memo. So right before this interview, my son text messages me literally five minutes before we were supposed to start. Mom, I need a voice recording of you telling the story of my adoption. Can I have that? I need it in less than 10 minutes. What? So I'm like, okay. So I just went on voice memos and quickly I said, all right, you're getting the very short version that I can do and send him a quick little thing that he needed for his class. So um, I've done that before on voice memos is a great thing. Oh, and another thing I love is, have you ever used Marco? Do you know no. what Marco is? No. So Marco I love because it's like a video walkie talkie and you can do groups on it. So like if you're working on a project, you could have three or four people on there and you can send video messages to but, people. So is it like Marco Polo sort of, you know, yeah, Marco Polo I that, type? Yeah, think about Marco. Yeah. You go back and forth. Have fun. So you can, because sometimes, you know, a text message is too long, right? I don't want to send a video on the text necessarily because then that, you know, it, it doesn't work as well. This is just easy. You just hit the Marco. We've done it for team meetings that we've sent, hey, everybody, I want you to know, blah, 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 blah. But I don't want to send, um, it's easier for me to talk it than to type it as an email. Or I've sent stuff in my car I'll, while I'm driving. Shh. But, um, you know, maybe I'm at a red light and I'll hit Marco and I'll say, hey, Jen, I forgot I wanted to tell you about blah, blah, blah. And did you know this? Because then it's almost like a, a little bit of conversation. You can talk outside your head versus having to type, like your mom doesn't like to type. And I use it for my little grandnieces and nephews. So they're uh, seven, eight, nine, and I have them all on Marco. So I just got one from my great nephew. I said, how did school start? He just started at Labor Day. How's your first week going? And he sent me one back, and he was saying how he loved his teachers and all his friends, and it was 9-11 when I did it that day. And he says, tell me, where were you, Aunt Melanie? What did you remember on 9-11? So I messaged him back, and you know, we tell each other we love each other. So it's really good. good. You can use it for any age. You can use it for with kids or just for fun, or you can use it for a business. I love that. And I think, you know, whether it's a Marco type tool or even FaceTime, I use FaceTime all the time. My daughter just went to boarding school and her network doesn't work there. So we have AT&T and she's in an area where it's Verizon. It doesn't, AT&T doesn't work. So we've been FaceTiming much more and it's just, it, it's wonderful because I get to see her, see how her day went. She can show me things in her room. And my father, who is a shut-in in a nursing home, same thing. We FaceTime. And he never leaves his room, but we get to have a conversation. And so I think, you know, whatever the tool is, you need to sort of work to people's strengths and interests and ways of interacting. And yeah. technology has really enabled us to do that in such a beautiful way. It's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Melanie, 
Before we forget, I want to make sure people can find you if they want to do some work with you. I mean, I'm sure all there's a lot of people out there with great ideas that they've always wanted to publish, and or maybe they want to rent your place in Dominican Republic or whatever. How do we find you? So the best place is uh, EliteOnlinePublishing.com. So you can go to our website there. If you have a book, if you've written a book or you're thinking about writing a book, there's a submission page. If you go to contact, there's submissions and you can just fill out the form right there. And my email is Melanie at EliteOnlinePublishing.com. You can contact me there if you're interested in having me donate the villa for your nonprofit. Would love to do that. Again, uh, our goal as a family is to raise a million dollars. We're getting close to 600000 So um, we'd love to help you with that and reach our goal to, to help a lot of people. And again, all our authors, we've made number one bestsellers on Amazon in multiple categories. And we help you with your marketing for your book. And we make a business plan on how you can use your book for your business to re- make a return on that investment. So please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you at EliteOnlinePublishing.com. Great. Well, for those of you out there listening, I know you've got lots of brilliance that needs to be shared. So make sure you reach out to Melanie and find a way to get it into a book and get it out to your people. Melanie, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and share all your bits of wisdom and wonder and excitement about the world and technology and where it's taking us for Uh, for lots of different things, for communicating, publishing, growing our businesses, whatever. So I just want to thank you and uh, express my appreciation for the work that you're doing in helping entrepreneurs get out there and get their voice heard and with greater credibility. So I just thank you. Terrific. Thanks, Heidi. So for all of you out there today joining us, thank you so much for taking your time to join us. And if you really enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review. It helps us grow our audience and it helps you make sure that you don't miss the next exciting episode. So we look forward to hearing from you again. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.